This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. The legal information presented on In Legal Terms is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information conveyed does not create any type of attorney-client relationship. Please consult an attorney provider before making any decisions about your specific legal questions. Welcome to In Legal Terms from MPB Think Radio, the show all about you and your rights. I'm Liz Gill. Professor Richard Gershon is off today. And this morning, we're going to talk about the laws concerning our schools. My guest is my neighbor, (laughs) Joanne Nelson Shepard. We just found out we live on the same street, and I walked by her house with my dog this morning. Uh, She's the district counsel for Jackson Public Schools. Uh, Ms. Nelson grew up in, uh, Nelson Shepard grew up in Oxford and attended the University of Mississippi School of Law there when uh, Professor Gershon was Dean Gershon and now is the lead attorney for the second largest school district in the state. Good morning and welcome to In Legal Terms. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Well, we were, when I was talk, learning about what all you do and what all a lawyer for a school district does, it just amazed me at uh, the breadth and width of all the things you've got to be on top of, um, from employment law to, uh, you know, I, I guess the, the, all the, the facilities and, and you know, making sure everyone teaches the correct <laughs> curriculum and, and that, you know, in addition to uh, little incidences that, that pop up. Tell me, how do you see your, your job? Just as you have described it, <laughs> there's uh, quite a variety of things mm-hmm. that uh, school lawyers do. Uh-huh. In particular, since I am an actual employee of the school district, right. I see all of the things that you've talked about. Right. Construction law, as you know, we're so grateful that we just passed a bond deal. Right. And now the contracts are starting to come in. So we're doing professional contracts. We're looking at engineering and architect contracts. And then later we will be reviewing construction contracts. So that's one area of the law that uh, I do. Also do a lot of employment law. As you know, our teachers have contracts. Yes. And the state law gives you certain grounds for disciplining a teacher. Right. And it also gives you certain rights that the teacher has. So the school district must be very careful not to infringe upon those teachers' rights. Right. Also do juggling, uh, (laughs) lots of snafus that happen on any given day. Sometimes uh, someone will ask, well, what does a typical day look like in your office? And, of course, my answer is there's no typical day. Every day is atypical. Right. Oh, my goodness. Um, So this morning we're talking about the legal issues that affect school districts. So if you have a question about uh, how does this all work, we'd love for you to participate. Um, You know, I know that there are uh, federal and state laws. Are, Are the rules that have to be followed that are created by school boards 
Are those laws, too? Those are actually policies. School districts are governed in the state of Mississippi by school boards, and that is the governing authority. So what the school board does is set policies. They make policies, they develop policies, and then the superintendent executes those policies. He or she implements them, and, of course, the administration does what the policies say do. All right. Um, I learned from my research that the school boards have their own lawyer. Is that right? That is correct. That lawyer is the board attorney. Her name is Dorian Turner. In Jackson. In uh-huh. Jackson. And we have actually worked together for at least since 92. Oh, okay. I came to the district in 1992, and Ms. Turner's law firm at the time, I believe, was she was a lawyer with the Brunini Law Firm, okay. and the Brunini Law Firm served as the board attorney. Right. Now, what we do is we work together. We right. work well together. She represents the school board, mm-hmm. and I represent the superintendent and the administration. So... Most of the times, our roles just converge. Right. Because we both have the interest of the district as an entity mm-hmm. at heart. How uh, does, does she, does the school board attorney help guide and help determine if what the school board's policies are legal and uh, able to be fulfilled? Absolutely. What the school board does, the school board attorney rather does, is reviews all the board material that the school board has to act on. And so it's like a second eye, if you will. So if there's a policy that the board attorney may want, she can suggest that if there's language that the board attorney might thinks need to be inserted in a particular policy, then that can be suggested. And the role is uh, the same with me. If I see something and I think this sentence might tweak this policy a little better, then I suggest that. Okay. But uh, that your main uh, activity, your main function is to help the the, administration and the teachers and the kids and all the everybody else fulfill all of the rules and regulations that are covering us. That is correct. The position that I hold current up formally was a staff attorney position. Mm -hmm. It was created in 1992 and it was created to reduce legal fees because the school board at that time, as I mentioned, had a law firm. Oh, right. And so the bills were pretty high (laughs) because all of the administrators were calling the law firm for advice and of course that costs money so the board at that time had great foresight and said well let's just have create a position called staff attorney okay and administrators and principals if they have legal questions routine legal questions then they can call the staff attorney right so that's what happened I applied for the job and was the successful candidate and I've uh, 
as you know, moved up through the years. Right. The job grew, and now it's uh, general counsel or district counsel. Right. Oh, I, uh, some of your babies you helped out now have babies. <laughs> <laughs> I only say that because I know from the timeline. All right. Uh, but, uh, you know, some of the activities there, some of the sections you deal with are, you know, students' rights and discipline. The challenges the school district face in balancing students' first, fourth, and fifth amendment rights and their educational mission to maintain a safe, non-disruptive learning environment. Um, privatization and choice. You know, now we've got some charter schools in the area. Yes. Uh, legal issues involving various reform measures, including public school choice, charter schools, privatization, uh, vouchers, and alternative schools. But th- what uh, fascinated me was the idea of technology. Uh, legal issues related to the internet, email, video, and other emerging technology. I, I know when my kids were in JPS, uh, you know, every year with a packet of uh, forms that you had to return <laughs> was the uh, I'll uh, allow my child's to be photographed, yes. I'll use the internet wisely. All those forms go to you. Yes, yes. Those those forms, I'll, I developed those forms. Good, <laughs> and <laughs> and they are they are still being used. Right. Uh, you're familiar with our acceptable use form, and that just simply means that students will use the internet and the network appropriately, not to access items that they should not access. Right. on the internet. Additionally, now the form that you talked about, which is the FERPA form, right. uh, Family Education Rights to Privacy Act, now that form is accessible in electronic format. Okay. So you can just, if you opt in, that's great, and you can do it all electronically. Oh my gosh, how things how things are go. Do kids uh, do kids these days, do they have a school email address, or is just the administrators and staff? I'm not really sure if they all have email addresses. We've had some... I meant through the district. Right, through right. the district. Uh-huh. We've had some conversation about that. Uh-huh. What, what we have done is give kids laptops. We right. had an initiative after where, my kids graduated <laughs> thank you very much <laughs> where every uh every ninth grader right um was able to get an Apple laptop. Wow. Yes. Wow. Yes. Um, and uh, uh, the, the teachers, each of the schools have their own websites. They do. So I guess, you know, there's, you know, all the, the, the technology mm-hmm. and the use and appropriateness of, of websites. Yes, they do all have their own websites. And what we hope to accomplish is creativity in developing a website, but also staying within the guidelines. Right. And our teachers have done that quite well, I think. All right. Um, We are going to take our first break of the show now. When we come back, we'll continue our discussion about school laws with uh, Joanne Nesson Shepard, the uh, district counsel for Jackson Public Schools. And, you know, where can you find some of the rights that are guaranteed to our uh, students and parents? We'll talk about that. And if you have a question about the laws concerning our schools, give us a call. Our number is one 877 mpb ring That's one 672 
1-800-242-7464. You can also send us an email. Our address is legalterms at mpbonline.org. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to In Legal Terms. Now, we realize that not everybody has a chance to listen to our whole show live. So if you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show at mpbonline.org slash in legal terms. It's also available on the MPB media app as are all our local shows. I'm Liz Gill. Professor Richard Gershon is out this Thanksgiving week, but this morning we're talking about the laws concerning our schools, the teachers, the administrators, the students with our guest uh, district council for Jackson Public Schools, Joanne Nelson Shepard. And if parents or grandparents or interested citizens are listening um Every Student Succeeds Act was signed by President Obama on December 10th, 2015, and it represents good news for our nation's schools. Uh, The bipartisan measure authorized uh, the 50-year-old Elementary and Secondary Education Act and the nation's national education law and longstanding commitment to equal opportunity for students. And we'll have a link to that so folks can look at that and kind of uh, get a little bit more information. That's great. I love poking around on the Internet, (laughs) reading things. We're talking about all the very interesting parts of of Miss Nelson Shepard's job. Uh, Joanne just has to do everything. Um, Health and nutrition. You know, we've got all those uh, guidelines for for lunches, but then there's also insurance and confidentiality of the health records, uh, immunization, the 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 drugs contagious diseases um uh, are so the the laws the the nutritious school lunches is that a law that is those are regulations uh-huh. federal regulations right. to ensure that children have a healthy and nutritious meal and in the Jackson Public School District we have a wonderful executive director of food service, uh, Miss Mary Hill. Mary, she was she's been, she's been there quite a while. She has, she has. She's been award winning. She's absolutely. Yeah. She has actually served on a national level right. as president, and so she takes her job very seriously. Right. Right. And we have combi ovens where. Uh, Food is baked, not right. fried. Mm-hmm. So we're really trying to do well. Okay. Yeah, I pl- I feel like this show is things I remember from when I was a kid <laughs> and things I remember from my kids were kids. Um, in my school days, uh, schools couldn't provide, you know, aspirins or pain relievers and you, if you were a student, you'd get in trouble for sharing any of your pain relievers. Uh, w- right now, what's what's the climate? What do students and teachers with medications? Uh, 
are they left at the office? How does do you know how that works? Yes, that's that's a very good question. Actually, there's a law in uh-huh. the, in Mississippi that allows for the self administration of medication. Okay. The school districts have policies to that effect, and of course, the student has to or the parent has to have uh, a prescription signed right. by the doctors left in the office. And additionally, there are several allergies that kids right. now face that, you know, were not as prevalent right. when I was a child. And so children have to have EpiPens. Oh, right. And they they are, you know, so easy. They're able to use them. Right. And, of course, we just try to take measures to make sure that no one uses an EpiPen inappropriately. Certainly. No one has. But those kind of things save children's lives. Right. And they make access to education right. easier. Wow. What a, what a lot you've got going on. I'm speaking with Joanne <laughs> Nelson Shepard. She is the district counsel for Jackson Public Schools. So if you have any questions about the, the laws concerning our schools, we'd love for you to give us a call. Our number is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's one 877 Six seven two seven four six four, and you can give us an email. Uh, our address is legalterms at mpbonline.org if you're not listening to us in your car on the way to Grandma's house if you're still at work. Um, some of the uh, the areas that you have to <laughs> have specialization of knowledge on, uh, school safety, um, school violence, student rights, harassment, bullying, and uh, employment. Uh, the employment laws affecting the school. Uh, about, you know, uh, they're, they're con- in the contracts, you know, not only employment for the, the teachers, but employing outside vendors, they all have contracts. Oh. They do. They and do. Uh, athletics, uh, you know, that's a that's a uh, some some would say is <laughs> equally important as learning. But uh, I don't know, uh, you know, with title title nine, that yes. is a legal law it is. for athletics on. And, and how has how have have you seen that been implemented uh, in in Jackson Public Schools. Well, you are correct. Title IX is certainly a law that affects all school districts. It's a federal law. Right. And it protects education access. Right. Uh, not based on sex. Right. Everyone is supposed to have an equal opportunity to education. So as it relates to athletics, you see that law control how facilities are built. Right. Girls should not have lesser facilities all thin males. Right. And you also see equal access to sports. Right. Everyone should have a plethora of sports to be offered. Right. Extracurricular activities are so important in schools. Not only athletics, but arts and all of that that goes into making school meaningful. Right. So in the Jackson Public School, of course, we have a policy that says we will provide uh, educational opportunities not based on sex. That's a Title IX policy. 
And right. we try to comply with that. We look at how our facilities are built. We look at all of those things that impact access to education. Right. Well, you know, also in athletics, you know, there's student-athlete drug testing, uh, codes of conduct, uh, liability for sports-related mm-hmm. injuries, and uh, disabled students uh, participating in, in interclastic sports. What have, I, I guess, anything that's passed, what, what, has, what have been some things that you have, have come up recently that you can speak about? Well, one of the things that uh, the state has done has uh, is to require concussion management policy. Oh, right, right. And so every school district should have one of those. Jackson Public Schools uh, certainly does. Right. And that gives you guidelines as to how to manage uh, and guard against injuries that right. are so prevalent in sports right. these days. Additionally, the other things that we talk about doing are just making sure that there's just wide access access to sports right and to extracurricular activities right i i I guess there's also laws, I would hope, and that are followed. Uh, it, it seems a shame every August when you hear about football players who have had heat stroke. And uh, do you have to have, do you send out emails? Do you have meetings to remind different uh, people in the administration of, you know, here's the laws considering mm-hmm. what you do, make sure you do it. Do that. Yeah, we have policies. We have first aid policies. One of the other things that uh, our district does is we ha- we contract with AMR. So we have an ambulance oh, right. at our game. Okay. And then we have an athletic director mm-hmm. who manages all of that right. and gives instructions on how to make make sure that there's water and that there's safety. Right. All uh, for the children, you know, in right. times of adverse weather. Oh, so much, so much. And if you have a question about uh, uh, the laws for our schools, we'd love for you to uh, give us a call. Our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven. Six seven two seven four six four. We had someone who couldn't stay on the line, and they asked about uh, trespassing laws for school. Um, do you have much prosecution of that? Do you have much trouble? I guess trespassing leads to vandalism. It does. It does. Actually, the district has its own local law enforcement mm-hmm. department, and. They handle trespassing. Right. Now, that, of course, is a tightrope because the district and other school districts are public. Right. So, you know, it takes a, a lot to, to say to someone, you can't come back on public property. Right. But what we try to be mindful of is that you have access to public property, right. but there's a way to behave once you're on public property. Right. So parents, and you know, we usually don't have parents who do this, but parents uh, should not use profane language to principals or teachers or mm-hmm. provoke fights while they're at school. Right. Now, with regards to playground equipment, our schools try, are neighborhood schools, right. and they belong to the community. Right. So there are 
playground equipment. There's just, you know, fields uh, on property. And so we try to let people access that. But we have signs that say, you know, you do that after school hours at your own risk. And so you have to be mindful of those things because there are liability issues. You know, one other item uh, when you think about uh, some of the the laws for public schools is uh, religion, Uh, public schools issues related to the role of religion in the classroom, First Amendment establishment, free exercise and free speech clauses. Um, What? I know maybe in sports and in different places, what's the current legal thoughts about community prayer? What ha- with, with Jackson Public Schools, what's their stance right now? Well, JPS tries to maintain a non-sectarian role because we recognize the religious expression, but we also recognize that as a governmental body, it's a neutral impact. So it should not advance or inhibit religion. So the district has um, meetings, you know, board meetings are open with an ins- a word of inspiration, but they're open to everyone. So we don't just have Baptists or Catholic, but anyone who desires to speak uh, can bring a word of inspiration. So would a teacher or an administrator, would they be allowed to uh, have a moment of silence in their classroom? It it depends on a moment of silence. It would depend on the circumstances okay. and what the moment of silence was for. Okay. Yeah, hard to answer. Uh, yeah, I, I like that. It depends. That, that's the kind of answers you get from lawyers because it, it, and it truly it does. And yes. you, you want to allow what can be allowed, but don't want to have happen exactly. things that, that hurt others. All right. Well, we're going to take our next break. Uh, we're talking about the laws uh, with our schools with uh, Miss Joanne uh, Nelson Shepard, the District Council for Jackson Public schools so if you have a question uh, we would love for you to give us a call our number is 1-877-MPB-RING that's 1-877-672-7464 and how many schools do you think uh, Miss uh, Nelson Shepard has to have as a client how many schools do you know how many schools are in JPS that's a lot <laughs> and we'll talk about that when we come back you listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. My guest today is the District Counsel for Jackson Public Schools, Joanne Nelson Shepard. And she oversees uh, 54 School sites for JPS, <laughs> 54 HVAC, HVAC things and 
and sanitation and custodial and schools <laughs> and everything for JPS. I'm Liz Gill. Uh, Professor Gershon is out today, and this morning we're talking about some of the laws that affect our schools. Um, so many topics that you have to have, uh, you, you have to know about um, student achievement. You know the all the standardized tests mm-hmm. and the the legal ramifications uh, because testing is everything. Big <laughs> testing <laughs> testing is a big deal, and uh, you know a- academic honors. I hope you haven't. Have you had any? Sometimes you hear about uh, the the fusses about no, I'm valedictorian. No, you're valedictorian. <laughs> And who did the math right? We ha- have you had that in JPS that you know of? Of course, we've had <laughs> we've we've had that. <laughs> oh wow, I was not expecting that. Okay, uh, um, and you know the facilities with the uh, fifty-four school sites uh, that includes uh, you know public land, the facilities, equipment, the control of uh, property, purchasing. Uh, oh gosh, there's all kinds of rules and laws for uh, uh, purchasing and uh, buildings. And you mentioned construction. Yes. Um, what I, 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 I remember voting about the the, the bond issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Newfield is going to get updated. What are some other construction issues that are going on? Well, we are. We've just sold the bonds, and we have started. Um, with contracts, so you will see contracts. You will see profe- what we call professional contracts, which are architectural contracts and engineering contracts. And those contracts uh, are those contractors w- rather will lay the groundwork for right. the construction contracts, and they will do the specifications and all of that work so that you can see your bond dollars at work. All right. Um, and another thing that uh, seems to me, from from my perspective, a lot of legal issues was uh, special education and, and disabilities. Understanding and complying with the federal law, such as the Individuals with Disabilities Acts, Section 504 of the Rehabilitation Act and the Americans with Disability Acts, and you know, I know I had three kids. Each of them went through special speech, mm-hmm. uh, uh, saw the uh, speech teacher, and everyone had to have an individualized education program. Talk about some of the legal issues that you deal with with our special education and disabilities. Well, those are all very important civil rights laws. Uh, they're federal laws. Right. And the... IDA, as we call it, as you mentioned, Liz, does impact all students who have specific learning disabilities. There are categories of impairments. And you mentioned speech and there's language. uh, There's other health impairment. There's emotional disturbance. So uh, traumatic brain injury. There's categories. And those students are once they are in one of those categories, mm-hmm. they have a federal right to a free and appropriate education uh, because there are funds for that. Right. And so what the school district has to do, our school districts 
across the country, they have to design an individual program to help those children learn. They have to learn academically. They also have to have services that um, provide them an opportunity to live independently after high school. So those are called transitional services. And it's just a whole lot of um, opportunities that they are afforded, and rightfully so. Right. And, uh, you know, I guess we knew back back when, when my kids were babies, we had friends who... um, their kids were homeschooled, but took advantage of going to the public schools for some of the special needs uh, yes. services that were yes. available that way. Yes. All right. Well, we would love for you to give us a call if you have a question of our guest, uh, Joanne Nelson Shepard. She is the district counsel for Jackson Public Schools. And uh, even if you don't live in Jackson, uh, she I think she has so many state and uh, federal regulations and she can tell you uh, what uh, what she knows about uh, laws for schools. And our number is one eight seven seven. MPB ring. It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. One of the other things uh, that you have to um, uh, work with is um, uh, equity and uh, discrimination. The education laws involving age, disability, rice, ethnicity race, ethnic origin, gender, and homeless status. Mm-hmm. Um, my kids were out of school now, but I thought when they were in school, you had to pr- show proof of a social security card, but you don't have to do that anymore. No. Tell us <laughs> tell us about that. That um, is an outgrowth of the Homeless Act that right. you talked about, the McKinley-Vento mm-hmm. Homeless Act. And that act affords, well, first of all, it recognizes that children exist in our state and in our city who don't have homes. They have no stationary residence. And because of that, they may not have a Social Security card, but you want to give them the right to have an education. So, no, you don't have to have a Social Security card now in order to register for school. The um, other acts that you talked about, the discrimination laws, those uh, do prevent discrimination based on age, race, sex, national origin, and they apply to students and in the cases that are applicable to Mm -hmm. students and also to employees. So every district will have a policy that prohibits discrimination based on those things. And what um, you will find employers have to do training on those those laws so that their administrators and other employees will not intentionally or even unintentionally do something that might infringe on a person's rights because of their race or their sex. And you want to make sure that women are treated equally. Right. And you want to make sure that people of different races are also treated 
equally. And the bottom line, I think, is just to make sure that the employer has a legitimate business reason for taking the action that is taken. It doesn't have to be fair, but it can't be discriminatory. Right. And, and you know, we forget these are essentially businesses because they have employees and and all that. Well, we do have a call uh, from Jackson. Evelyn has called in. Uh, thanks for being a part of In Legal Terms today, Evelyn. Always good to talk to you. <laughs> this is Evelyn. Uh, one of the things I wanted to mention about the individualized education programs known as IEPs is that Mississippi historically played a was the player in the establishment of that law. Uh, in the early 70s, some children would be pulled out as being uh, special ed, and there were no guidelines around that. So uh, minorities were being targeted in that area. And uh, there was a family, his child Maddie T, was pulled into special ed. And uh, they uh, uh, looked for some relief in the courts and got that relief, and that started uh, what is now the IEP program. And so Mississippi played a key historical role in that, and I just think we ought to honor that. That is correct, the Maddie T. Consent Decree. We uh, we always hear so often... Uh, how Mississippi fails at a number of things that it's it's always wonderful when something grows from Mississippi that benefits the nation. Right, and you know, and there's so many. Uh, I'm a teacher of the deaf, and I taught, teach at the school for the deaf when I when I'm teaching. And uh, when I mentioned that, because all of our students are on IEPs, and when I mentioned that to faculty members, they were like, "Really? That is so cool." So. Just a little piece of history. I'll take care and have a good day. All right. Thanks for that reminder, Evelyn. Back to some of the the equity and discrimination. So we recognize that homelessness is an issue. When what about migrant children in 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 JPS in Mississippi, doesn't a child have to be a citizen to go to public school? Well, that's a good question. <laughs> I guess they have to have a residency or some they, form or they, something. We have to make school available right. to students. Mm-hmm. Uh, regardless of their nationality or their Uh alien status. Uh, So we try to provide, we try really, really hard Uh to provide an educational opportunity for all children. We really do. We try to keep our students in school as much as we can. Right. And we try to make sure that they are exposed educationally to the things that they need to be in order to be successful. All right. All right. Well, we're going to take our last break of the hour. And uh, when we come back from the break, uh, we'll continue our discussion about the laws of schools in Mississippi with our guest, uh, Joanne Nelson Shepard from Jackson Public Schools. And I'll find out how many clients 
does Miss Nelson Shepard represent with JPS? It's, it's a really big number. Uh, but if you have a question or a comment, we'd love for you to participate in our show. It's one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can also send us an email to legalterms at mpbonline.org. This is in legal terms on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Thank you for being part of our show today. You know, we would love for you to subscribe to our podcast. All you have to do is search for in legal terms on whatever podcast platform you use so that you can listen on or offline. I listen while I'm walking my dog past Joanne's house um, whenever you like. Uh, Professor Gershon is out today. I'm Liz Gill, and I am here with Ms. Joanne Nelson Shepard. She's the lead attorney for the Jackson Public Schools, and JPS has over 23,000 students and nearly 5,000 employees. That's correct. I hope you have some help on looking at those employment <laughs> contracts. You're you're not in the office all by yourself, are you? I am not. The district all oh, districts legal offices have grown uh-huh. over the years, right? And so there is an assistant district counsel mm-hmm. and a staff attorney position. Excellent. Excellent. Well, we're we're glad that you don't have to do all of this by yourself because that that would be a lot. Um, I would like to keep on. We were been talking about all the many different facets of your job, of which there's a dozen or plus. <laughs> and when we were talking about uh, equity and discrimination, you know, race had been an issue in Mississippi public mm-hmm. schools for so long. Is that over with? In a sense? I don't think race is ever over with. Mm -hmm. I think it's always a factor. Okay. What has happened in schools is that there's now a majority black population. Right. In, In Jackson Public Schools. In Jackson Public Schools. So race is is never done. Right. It's it's always something to be cognizant right. of as we try to be more diverse and try to protect the rights of everyone who right. accesses the public schools. Right. Um, one of the other issues I find interesting is uh, attendance and, and truancy. Yes. I, I know when my kids were there, we would just get these letters from the principal saying, please, please, please don't pull your kids out. Please send them to school this day. If you do have to take them out, don't get them before this time uh, because attendancy, uh, that everything is based on attendancy. It is. It drives uh, finances, but even more importantly, it drives how students succeed in school. There's a certain number of days that you can miss and if you miss that number of days and I want to say it's about 18 uh, but you are 
known to have a really, really difficult time of achieving academically. So schools schools and legislatures have developed what we call truancy laws and compulsory school attendance. And we have to make sure that our kids are in school. We are always trying to increase our average daily attendance that drives the money uh, that comes from the state. But as I said, it's so, so important for kids to be in school because otherwise they can't learn. And the more they miss, the further behind they get. And of course, that drives the accountability scores and achievement scores. But children need to be seated in school and parents uh, should not try to dismiss them without a really good reason. Right. I don't know. You wonder what forms you as a small child. When I was a small child, I don't know if I saw something on TV or someone said something. I had a deathly fear of the truancy police. <laughs> I thought it was like, if my parents had to get me out to go to the doctor's office or something, I had I needed to go hurry right back before someone saw me sitting in the Kroger parking lot. Or I, I, I was so worried that they were going to come around and, oh, you're not in school. You have to be drug. What do we have? What, what do we have to help with truancy? We have compulsory school attendance officers, uh, and they go around, and they act as the truancy police, and they make sure that the kids are in school. And we have that because it curtails a lot of stuff. It curtails uh, crime, I believe. It also curtails an absence of learning if you're not in school. And actually, truancy is also directed toward parents because parents can be charged with educational neglect. They can be reported if their children aren't in school. And I also think that when you instill in a child good attendance at school, that that translates into good attendance at work and good attendance when you go off to college and you don't have your mother or your daddy (laughs) breathing down your throat saying, get up, go to class. You already have that instilled in you. All right. Well, you know, we haven't even gotten a chance to talk about the curriculum laws and, uh, uh, you know, whether parents have rights to withdraw their child from sex education or free speech or due process. But one last thing I wanted to get to, you know, in the past, we've seen some of these school shootings. Yes. It's it's yikes. You're, yes. you're, it's it's just, uh, uh, you know, such a worry for parents um, and, and for for kids. What. What have you seen in the school laws of safety? What has been come about recently? Recently, every school has to have an emergency crisis management plan mm-hmm. that is approved by their school board. Right. Additionally, every school has to have a uh, code of conduct handbook right. that deals with discipline. But even more recent than that 
is the enactment of bullying laws right. and bullying policies. And every school district in the state, every public school district, right. has to have, and you will see, a bullying policy mm-hmm. where parents can report bullying behavior toward their child. It also holds uh, employees responsible and says if you see or if you witness something, then you need to make a report. Right. And of course, we've always, we've had for a long time the uh, nonviolence or the uh, prevention of school violence right. laws that require reporting as well. All right. Well, we've got about two minutes left. Uh, tell me off the top of your head, not naming any names, what have been uh, three interesting things that have happened in the last month that you've had to, <laughs> to, to, to that have come up? In the last month, I have to narrow that down. (laughs) (laughs) Off the top of my head, uh, we've had, we've gotten a new superintendent, Dr. Eric L. Green, and he's a delight to work with. Um, The most exciting thing, I think, that we've had is that our bond deal passed, and we sold the bonds recently. And so we're going to, as you know, start construction. Mm -hmm. And then another interesting thing is the work of the Better Better Together Commission. Oh, what's that? And that is a commission that grew out of the governor's work and the mayor's work to... um, help the school district better educate its students right so what have been uh uh what's what's been the most peculiar since you've since you've been an attorney a phone call you've gotten from a principal or from a staff member what have they what's been the most wow (laughs) i think the most peculiar uh phone call that i have gotten from a Uh, principle is what do I do with uh, a teacher who doesn't uh, maintain regular attendance? And how do you handle that? That's that's so nebulous and it may be like a moving target at times. Right. Okay. I I was thinking maybe I I, I don't even know. (laughs) You have so many things that you have to deal with. Are we uh, pleased that you took your vacation day (laughs) and came to be a part of our show? I can't I can't tell you how that touches me. Uh, you have such a commitment to the, the, the kids in Jackson, and we're so proud to have you uh, serving with Jackson Public Schools. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, well, we're so glad. Uh, we This will wrap us up for today for In Legal Terms. Uh, our board engineer has been Jay White. I'm Liz Gill, and up next is our Tuesday Southern Remedy Show, Relatively Speaking, with Dr. Susan Buttress. But we hope you'll join us again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. for In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.